afternoon. I'm Leon Davis, and welcome to Altitude Adjustment, the weekly podcast about people, politics, and professions. Uh, coming up, we've got uh, today's show. we got a show tomorrow, and uh, we we'll hope you join us. It's going to be, going to be talking to Derval Bezany uh, about climate consciousness in Jamaica. And we've got one show, one more show next week before we start our winter break, and we will be off through the month of uh, December and the first two weeks of January. Uh, but you can still go back and look at previous episodes, and we hope that you will do that. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about distance learning, and we hope that you'll join us. Welcome to Altitude Adjustment. Okay, so um, welcome on board, gentlemen. Glad you could join me this week. And uh, so, so we were just having a conversation about couples, which I'm not going to get into. <laughs> it was a pretty lively debate. Uh, I know I shouldn't have brought that up, but uh, I just I had to razz these guys um, because uh, we, we fell down on different sides of the issue. But uh, <laughs> we'll make that we'll make that a show next season. Um, but I did want to uh, talk about one of the other things that we kind of had mentioned before we. Uh, so so before we start the show, we kind of take a few minutes to make sure all the technical stuff is set and ready to go, that you can hear everybody's voice and all of that kind of stuff. And um, so uh, one of the things that we were talking about was um, uh, so last week's show was about was that last week? That was last week, right? The WAP? Yeah. So hold on a second. Hold on a second. Yeah. That, that show. There we go. There we go. Okay. Yeah, that show. <laughs> <laughs> that show. <laughs> All right. So we avoided as long as we could. <laughs> yeah, you did. And I don't know why. But anyway, and Leon would just not let it be avoided. <laughs> he, would not, he had to get that WAP in there. Well, I, I be denied. I so I made my my things perfectly clear, and one of the things that you you had mentioned uh, was the reason that I brought that that I thought that that show was important. Um, you had mentioned that you had posted something about it on your Facebook page, and you go ahead and tell the story. Uh, you're talking about the one we were just talking about? Right. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I, I confess I really didn't read the whole article. I was just kind of, it was, I found it interesting that Cardi B was selected as Billboard's, what was it, the Woman of the Year or? Yeah, something like that. Something like that. And I'm like, hmm, I wonder what this is all about. And I just made a post about it. And somebody responded. Oh, I, my comment was, uh, she's also in the Democrats' ear because she had met with Biden and, and with, she has some uh, political stuff that she was talking about. 
So somebody responded to my post saying, whores don't rep America. <laughs> so that was what we were talking about. And, and so one of the things that has been important to me is the erosion, which we did the show we did two episodes ago, mm -hmm. the erosion of a civil conversation about, you know, what our society means to us. So, yeah. you know, calling her a whore, um, you know, we've, we've gone through this, the, the whole thing of people wanting to address women in a more, um, a nicer manner so that, you know, that we're talking to them uh, in a way that's not denigrating them. And I understand that the person was saying that, you know, they, they don't agree with her music. They don't agree with her presentation of herself as, as a citizen of our country. And there, and I think that there's a way to say that, you know, in a public forum, you know, if you, I think it's difficult. I would not tell someone in a private conversation between them and their friends how to categorize anybody. Okay. So if she wanted to use that language with her friends, they understand her and that's a more private setting. Right. Now, um, some other people are going to say, well, you know, you don't ever use that language. Don't ever do that. You know, it's never okay. And I think, I think at sometimes you have to stop police and give people an opportunity to not police everything that they do. So between you and your friends or you and a person that you share a closeness with, um, if you want to use that language, why would I object to that? But the, the, the thing was, is that that language wasn't used in a private conversation. It was used on a, you know, a public board, um, and they, they denigrated the woman's character. And, and I think she has, you know, tried like every other citizen to, to make herself be the best she can be of who she is. And like Leonard was saying, you know, he, he doesn't have any issues with their song. You know, it's not his cup of tea. But, you know, he's not, you know, he's not going to fall down one side or the other on, the, on that particular song. He's going to, you know, give it some flexibility. But I think right. it's how we address each other in public that's, that's significant. Okay. Fair no. enough. I mean, um, me personally, it's not something you're going to hear me playing in my house. And you probably won't hear it booming through the speakers in my car like you hear out on the street, you know. But Sure. That's freedom of expression, I guess. Right. And and so how did you how did you take, you know, the, the person calling, you know, saying what they said about? It? Well, I, I wasn't shocked or surprised at all because uh, she has a past uh, involving some um, horse type uh, activities, if you can say such a thing. Uh, 
there was a lot of comments about her claiming that she used to drug men and rob them. And then she would, she made some comments about having some, uh, a gay guy, rape guys or something, black men in particular, you know, mm-hmm. so she put some stuff out there that's, that's, that she's going to have to deal with, you know? Okay. I, and I, yeah, I, I, that was the first time I heard about that. Right, you know, yeah, reputation. Yeah, I didn't know about all this other stuff going on, and uh, assuming it's true, assuming it's true, then you know, there's some things that later on she's gonna have to recompense or have to deal with, exactly. And 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 you know, some of the things you mentioned to me is criminal activity. Especially if she's responsible for having some gay guy rape mm. other men. Yep. Uh, and you know it, and I believe in the proper form it should be investigated. And if there is evidence found to bring charges upon her, so be it. But just because she chooses to dress in a certain way and make certain music, like I said. That's not my cup of tea. Uh, I'm a Temptations, Barry White, Ashley Brothers type of guy. And that music isn't made anymore on a regular basis because the people that bought it are now old. And they don't buy music anymore. And most of the young people that are coming up now don't buy that type of music. If it's not about obvious sexual behavior and shooting people up in a McDonald's and a robbery and all that stuff, it doesn't, it doesn't pass the muster. It seems like at least on the black side of the radio dial, so to speak. (laughs) Exactly. Okay. Uh, So let me ask a question before we, before we jump off this and get into our um regular topic subject okay yeah so let's let's for a thought experiment let's just say that she um did do some of those things that that uh, warren had mentioned mm-hmm. um one of the things that we've dealt with recently is about people maintaining their celebrity having that kind of a past how how does how do you feel about that should she if that if some of that is true if, if even one of those things is true mm-hmm. uh, does she get to retain her celebrity well that depends on who you're talking about i think uh what typically happens when people get to a certain status level or whatever and get so much of the spotlight and they get called out, I think people expect them to maybe confess, repent and say, hey, I've changed that. That's not me anymore. But uh, we'll see if anybody wants to hold her to that. What do you think, Leonard? Should, do, does she get to keep her? Uh, it's about, uh-oh. It's about, it's about who's, what the public thinks. Now, if, any of that is found true and she 
like I said, if, if any of that is found true and there's criminal activity, she should have to face the legal justice system and mm. pay whatever price. But like back in the old days when you had Al Capone and John Dillinger and Pretty Boy Floyd and Bonnie and Clyde, who obviously were on the wrong side of the law, they kept their celebrity. They had cult followings, and they had every kind of thing going on. They, you know, they never lost it. Even though they did time in prison, some of them were killed with law and chasing them. I mean, they did, you know, they did their things, and they kept their celebrity status. They kept their cult status. Cool. I mean, people still, people still go to the museum in Texas and see the car that Bonnie and Clyde was shot up in. They go down that Texas road where the Texas sheriff shot them up. Okay, uh, so the, the celebrity that I'm talking about. So like Cardi B is uh, a, a an A-tier performer. Okay. So she's backed by corporate uh, corporate followers and she's backed by, you know, other industry professionals. If it is proven okay. that she has done something illegal, should she still be allowed to maintain that corporate sponsorship? Hmm. Well, first, going to be up to the corporation. I was saying when the things that I said were basically more or less conversation or hearsay. I I I don't know if any of that. Right, and we're going based on supposedly. Yeah, so if any of that is true, if mm -hmm. if she has committed those crimes, now the statutes of limitation might have run out on something. I don't know when she yeah. did it. I don't know what it was that she did that was illegal. But if so 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 maybe I can make the question more general. If a celebrity has created a crime, has committed a crime, um, whether it, so I guess there's two questions there. <laughs> TJ. <laughs> so, so if a celebrity has committed a crime, um, do they, in this cancel culture, we've had people who have had blog posts or emails or things like that in their past that has has been you know the reason for them losing their current position does should that continue should should that be the standard or are you know or we go back to the way we were before um you know if if if, if you're not doing it now then we're not going to pay attention to it it's going to depend on how the public reacts to you like the way Bill Cosby was treated and the way Harvey Weinstein was treated. So I'm asking uh, you, how do you treat them? That's, that's the question. I understand there are other people. So my question is, how do okay. you treat them? You know, what is, what is your take on that as an individual? Well, for one thing, anybody that went through the criminal justice system and was prescribed a penalty and paid their penalty, be done with it. Leave them alone. They are, they're, they're done. They paid what society said they had to pay the society. 
again, if I look at some, it depends on what they did. Uh, they robbed banks, they hurt somebody, and the people still alive, but they are crippled for the rest of their lives. Maybe if I see that so-called celebrity, I don't get into what they do anymore because they left somebody permanently hurt or they killed a father who was taking care of his wife and five kids and they did their 10 years of prison. They got out and do they come back and get what they had? You know, I, I, I may look at that or the perfect example for me was G Gordon Liddy and he was one of Nixon's people. And with what Nixon did, me, all, the, all three of us would get arrested and had to do some time in jail. After G. Gordon Liddy got out of jail, G. Gordon Liddy is not my cup of tea and what he espoused. I think about the, the criminal aspect of him and what he did. Mm. I, don't, I don't run to him. I don't run to him, but you know he's got people that's willing to run to him and constantly hear his talk shows and you get corporate people willing to pay him for his opinion. He paid his crime to society. So if that's what he wants to do and people are showing a demand for that, so be it. But I would look at what are the perfect, what are the, what are the ramifications? Did he make recompense to the people or persons that he hurt or she hurt? Uh, for me, all of those things come in the bear. Okay, let me get you. Uh, let me. Hey, Warren, how about you? You make the last comment on this subject, and then we move on to what we're going to do. Okay, uh, me looking at the situation of what she may have done, may have, may have not done in the past, is more focused on her um, her character and not the crime that she may have committed. Because I think folks are, are going to be judging what type of person has would do this and where is she coming from you know her mentality and and especially when you start moving into the political realm where you making uh decisions on uh policy and different things like that i think character is more important yeah if if there was and, and that reflects on the legal thing too you know if you're a criminal you're a criminal but the types of crimes kind of fit into that whole genre of the music that that we're talking about, you know, drugs, sex, and uh, all kind of um, sexual stuff, you know. TV and behavior at that time, yeah. That behavior, yeah. I think it's a matter of character that we that we are look, trying to judge. <laughs> okay. All righty. So um, we will uh, move on to our topic today of distance learning. And, and each one of us has uh, some experiences with distance learning. Uh, I have taken several courses uh, on the internet um, and uh, and you guys have had, you know, your, I'm not gonna, I'll give you the opportunity to share if you want to, you know, what, what your experience on that is. And so I, I kind of want to get an idea of what you think about distance learning because there there's been a lot of so i've i've encountered a lot of people who have pushed back against it um for different reasons and and it has puzzled me why they would do that 
and and hopefully we'll get to that part of it. But but you know, give me your thoughts on 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 distance learning for you. I think distance learning is uh, very potent. Uh, it's uh, it, you can do and you can learn a lot uh, via Zoom, via Messenger, uh, over the internet, online. Uh, give you an example, like um, you being the tech guy on the show and a lot of different things we've done. We have uh, had many sessions where you have taught me how to do this, how to do that, how to uh, work this program, how to fix certain situations without us being together just over the internet. So to me, that's a uh, distance learning, you know, I, I've uh, benefited from a lot, a lot from it. So when you look at kids in school, I think the biggest um, issue with the kids in school is going to be on the students end. Uh, are they really paying attention? How focused are they going to be when the teacher's not right there physically with them? You know, of course, they can zone out in the classroom, too. So but I think it can be very effective, but it depends. It has to be a good two way exchange. As far as distance learning go, number one, we have the technology. Why not use it? I've learned things on distance learning. Uh, whenever I have a technological question, Leon, mm -hmm. you're the first person I call and say, hey, man, have you heard of this? What does this mean? What does that mean? Uh, the last time I was in college, I went back and took some courses a few years ago at one of the junior colleges here, and it was partially in-class work we did, and partially they sent us stuff over the internet. Uh, YouTube is a good place. They got videos with people tutoring you and teaching you all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Uh, when my kids were younger, I got two kids that are in distance learning situations now because their school district thought about the personal safety of the people, the kids, the teachers, the uh, staff and faculty that had to come to the school and would they catch this virus or not? And they didn't listen to our country leadership saying we just need to send kids back to school and we haven't dealt with the public safety and public health of the situation, which I believe needs to be taken care of first. But I've done it. We got the technic technological things to do it. And even when, when school was in, how many times did kids go pull up videos and listen to music and learn it while being on the internet and looking at sites like YouTube and stuff. So it was already going on. I think we just needed to make it to where, like most of the school districts did, make sure everybody had a computer and the cable companies and most jurisdictions make sure everybody could have internet, whether they were poor or not. And then, and then you, then you, you, you let it go, because, like I said, I so many times in homework, I, when my kids weren't getting it by me explaining it to them, I look up a YouTube video and say, "Y'all sit down and watch this." This was something they did anyway. Now I just incorporated that in their educational learning. <clears throat> so, so I'm all for it. Yeah. So. 
So one of the the pushbacks, and I don't know if the pushback was, you, you know, sometimes people, t they don't like something. They've just decided that they don't like it and then they manufacture reasons to to continue to dislike it rather than to, there's there's logical, rational reasons to do that. But there's there's been some pushback against, you know, there's a, uh, yeah, you talked about the administration trying to rush to get kids back into school. <clears throat> And, and one of the arguments was that kids don't learn as well when, um, you know, when they don't have that physical contact or they, that they're not in that, a close physical proximity to the instructor. And, and I found that to be a, 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 a not a good argument, not a solid argument, mm -hmm. um, because because everybody learns differently. So, like um, I think Leonard mentioned, you know, some kids sitting in the classroom just zone out. Um, you know, it's around summertime, kids primarily check out of the classroom anyway, and you might as well be talking over, um, you know, over over the internet. And they, and they they they're in the other room because they're already outside, uh, they're already on vacation, you know they're already have checked out of the learning process, and so I, for me it would be interesting to find out, you know how grades have fared with the, the uh, distance learning. Well. Uh... You look at a lot of the studies I read, a lot of the people I've talked to, in general, girls tend to learn better the way the American education system is set up, where basically you go to class, you sit, and you be lectured at. As boys, we tended to learn better when we could put our hands on things. We had the pop some knuckles, get some scratches, get some scrapes for us to learn. We tend to learn through play and through things that we enjoy where girls can sit there and just really through lectures, pick up and absorb stuff. Now there's exceptions either way, but I think with the distance learning, uh, there are some other reasons that some parents uh, rebelled against it. Like they were used to their kids being in school six, seven, eight hours a day, whatever it is. Some parents got these younger children that they couldn't leave at home because they was trying to work. And at school, they could work and do whatever and knowing their child was being watched. And I, hey, I understand that as a parent of two kids that are still in educational aid, I understand that. The difference between me and most of them, I'm retired now. I don't have to depend on getting up, going out the house to earn a living to take <clears throat> care of my family with. So that's not, that's not a concern for me. <clears throat> but, you know, we have so many ways of distance learning. I mean, you look back in the old days, you had the correspondence schools where you could uh, 
send off to these schools. They sent you books and stuff at home, and people became locksmiths, uh, auto mechanics. They did all kinds of things by distance learning at home. It's just that now we got the computer, mm-hmm. and we don't have to necessarily just depend on books and a lot of these other things. But, you know, we it, it's a thing where because of technological advan- advances, we need to continue to take advantage of it. And we need to use everything that, that we need, that we got at our disposal to educate our children and have them become productive adults. And like you said, in the classroom, we already had kids that were zoning out, falling asleep in, care, in class, not paying attention to teachers, and doing, doing everything else, going to school to get in gang activity, to sell drugs, to do everything else but learn. You already had that. So to to rebel again, this is learning. I agree with you at that point, Leon, that that part was just a, it wasn't a strong argument for rebelling again. But again, you know, it's one of those things you take everybody's opinion into account, but we got a lot of people, we got a disease pandemic around that we had to think of something else to do. Because so many times in this country, we tried to open up these schools anyway, and, and you're finding out we have to shut them down. Like New York City is just shutting this school system back down. Right. Uh, here locally, we had the college, uh, we had the high school football playoff start in Missouri, and a couple of schools like Kirkwood High which has been perennially a state champion over the last 10 years, they had to forfeit a game because somebody caught COVID virus because their school district decided to try to go in person. In Georgia, they had to recently shut down school districts because people tried to go back in person and they're catching this virus stuff. And if we continue to listen to the current leaders of our government, try to open up everything and not deal with this virus, stopping the spread, and eventually working to eliminate it, we're gonna be in the same spot. So it's just it's just it's just smart to take care of it once while you're here. So when you open stuff back up, it stays open. So one of the things that um <clears throat> that has interested in me about the distance learning situation that we're in now. Um, but I haven't had a, 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 a school-aged child in, in a lot of years. But um, so most of the information that I'm getting is from news articles, you know, as far as what's going on in the schools and what's happening, or I get from, from you guys with your uh, school-aged uh, family members. Uh, but one of the things that I have heard a lot about is that uh, there's been a uh, difficulty in getting parents engaged in the child's education. Yeah. So there are a lot of children that aren't getting that strong f- support at home 
for the things that teachers are teaching the kids at school. And so what I think a positive that may come out of, or that could come out of, it is, it is possible that we come out of this because with parents being at home, children um, learning on the internet, so parents can be there and participate jointly with the child, with their children, in the distance learning so that the parent understands what the child is learning uh, and then can work with the child because they're at home. So it's not like the child, you know, gets out after school, comes home and says, mom, dad, I don't have any homework. You're right there. You're right there. You know what's going on. You've, you've, you know, you've sat in, you, you can sit in on the sessions, you know, your child is distance learning. And so you can sit in on that session. And that means if you didn't know it, you can learn with your child. And then you can work with your child. And then, so hopefully out of this, the participation of parents in their children's education can um, become a, a positive aspect of, of the, the, you know, what we're experiencing. What, what would you think? Well, I, I think that's, um, it, it's going to be really, really varied between uh, individual situations because number one, uh, a lot of parents uh, are still working. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, you have a lot of parents working from home. Mm -hmm. So those school hours, they really won't be available to do much more than they would in a normal situation because they're tied to the computer doing their job or they're not in the home. So that only leaves the ones, the parents that are there at home. And how many of them, what percentage of them are going to actually be up, up for something different like that, actually teaching their kids, you know? So, yeah, I, I get what you're saying, but there, there's going to be a limited number of uh, parents that can actually uh, help the kids. You take away the workers from home, uh, away from home, and then those that are there, it's maybe if you split it up, it'd be a third, but we don't know the real numbers. And you bring up a really good point. You bring up a really good point. So a lot of people are working from home also. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, so remote working actually has passed its prime. So, so companies should have, I'm going to say should have, not could have, they could have, but they most certainly should have. Um, allow people to work from home a long time ago. Okay. Okay. Um, and so, and you mentioned that a lot of those people are working during the hours when their kids are going to school. Mm -hmm. And so I'm thinking that um, there's a possibility that uh, many of the employers are enforcing these strict 
nine to five or you know eight to uh, nine to six or whatever these strict hours of you know monitoring when an employee is working because i think we did it i know we were going to do a show but i think yeah we, we we're going to do the show about um you know bosses watching people you know monitor, putting software on their computers to monitor when they were working and that kind of stuff but if we did that show yeah yes okay yeah. very good and um so my thought is by allowing an employee more flexibility so if there's if there's work i can get done at midnight why force me to do it between nine and five thereby taking away my opportunity to work with my child so I can become more productive. I can not only become more productive, I can become more satisfied in my life because as you mentioned, nine to five, you know, my kids aren't home. Mm -hmm. You know, my, I mean, you know, my kids are, are doing their schoolwork. Doing their schoolwork, yeah. If I'm allowed to work with my children to help them do their schoolwork, I build a better relationship with my child. I build a better knowledge of what my child learns and understands. I become a, be better connected. And so there's gotta be some individual satisfaction that comes from that, that allows me um, so that, you know, if I'm one of those people who doesn't mind getting things done at midnight, you know, there's a, there's a great opportunity there. Well, you have to be working for an employer that thinks like you do, or as they like to say in our society in general, think outside the box. Mm -hmm. Uh, if it's work, they can get at 10, 11, 12, one in the morning, let them do it. Uh, because the person that is able to be there for their child and their child makes, and they're able to help their child and build a bond better with their child, they become a happier employee. Their family life is happier. And when they do the work, they get it done. And that's if you have an employee that is, excuse me, that is that disciplined to do that. So just like my two kids, they're twins in the same grade. My my one child, my daughter, I got a daughter and a son. She will look at something up on the up on the class schedule on Monday and start working on it, and it's not due to Thursday. And then she'll come to me Tuesday or Wednesday if she has problems. Say, Daddy, help me with this. My son will wait till having done on Thursday or the teacher goes over it on Thursday. He don't want to do the early stuff and have me help. Now, a couple of weeks ago, I had to help him with something because he just wasn't getting it. So I had to go do some extra stuff. My daughter eventually showed me she was getting it. She was putting in some wrong stuff. It was a math class, and it's about formula and the process. 
And during during the formula, you plugging in the right numbers. She wasn't plugging in the right stuff, but she convinced me that she got the process right. Okay. And what I had explained to the kids, math is like what you did before and what you got next, what you got next builds upon what you did before. And I noticed I had to go back in the last couple of weeks and redo things I studied with them a year ago, two years ago, because they had forgotten. But I said, remember when we did this? Remember when we did that? And so you have people that you can do it. When it's possible, take advantage of it. Instead of being a boss, has got to sit there and see Everything that happened, you got to control every ounce of production. Like my old job that I retired from as a firefighter, I can't do that from home. I got to be able to go in to the station and be there when I'm called because I was in a major urban city. I'm not at a little town where you can allow us to be everywhere. And then when an alarm comes, one guy goes and get the truck, the rest of the people, go to the scene and be there and meet the truck there and do all that. So it's, so, you know, it's, it's different, but you know, when, like you say, Leon, it's just about when is, when it's allowed, if it's available, uh, you allow your employees to do this. You allow that flexibility to happen. Then you got some people that can't be trusted. And then you're able to bring those people in under, restrictions where you can only have 10 to 25 percent of the people and you bring them in and make them work the normal working hour okay but the people that showing you they can do it you allow them to work from home like you see it there was the technology to do this years ago and, and certain employers could have been doing this allowing the people work from home for two or three uh days out of the week I mean, I just remember seeing articles in magazines and newspapers anywhere from 10 to 12 years ago about people not having to do that commute, not having to get up and take that hour to get to work every morning at, at 45 minutes of driving home at night because they hit and rush out. Yeah. So, you know, it, it has benefits if we would use them. And distance learning allows that. Like, you know, it's just like if you were going to college, you could do your distance learning at home and you don't have to get up, get in the traffic, take an hour. Don't have to pay gas. room and board. It cuts the, it, it'll cut the cost. It'll cut the cost for the, for the student. It'll cut costs. Yeah. And then you don't have to be on a parking lot. Dad may not be ex exceptionally excited about it. Well, yeah, where you're where you're a long walk, a mile walk away from your building. Sure. So you got to walk after going through all this. You got to walk a mile, a half mile, and go to two or three buildings over, and then go up two or three flights of stairs. I mean, there's advantages in all that. There's big Let's advantages. Take advantage of it. Let's you can you can cut you can cut down the size of a canvas. A, a college doesn't have to spread out so far because you don't need need as many buildings. Right. That that that's that's another that's another thing. Or there's no gas. Cut down on gas. 
fuel to get yeah, back and forth to campus. If you offered, if you offered your classes distance and personal, I mean, instead of taking five thousand people, maybe you got demand for eight or nine thousand people, and when you offer half your students to be able to stay home and take advantage of distance learning, then you could let another three or four thousand people in. The college makes money. You got half of the students just able to cut down their expenses. It it, it has a situation that's the potential to work for everybody. And everybody gets happy. Go ahead, Warren. I was just thinking you made a real big uh, economic impact on those uh, institutions, those colleges and stuff with those cuts. <laughs> you cut some jobs, you cut some uh, commerce going on, you know, I don't know. It, you think you I'm think not, it cut jobs? Idea. You think it cut jobs? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. People hmm. working on the campus, uh, you know, that there's quite a few jobs there, but I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but there's no, I know. Some cut back. There is definitely going to be there would definitely be some changes in the, the economic structure. There would definitely mm -hmm. be some changes um in in so like uh in, in St. Louis. Um Washington University and St. Louis University have spread it out like weeds. Yeah. <laughs> They've bought all kinds of land. Um, Washington, I think it was Washington University has gotten so big that they have their own mass transit buses that take students to and from the campus. Yeah. So, so while that's creating jobs, that's also changing the landscape uh so so those 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 places where campuses have spread out means that um small businesses can't have that land so you're talking about uh jobs that the college may lose but i'm thinking that society may gain now the argument is, well, small business didn't take that land before the colleges got to it. And what I'm right. saying is it doesn't matter whether the college got to it first or not. Uh, what matters is, is that we, if we can get more businesses in there to, that are gonna hire more people, then what we lose from the college campuses means basically nothing. Well, it depends on what type of jobs we're talking about. Because if you take all those college students out of there, you're taking a lot of money up out of there. So those businesses, who's going to support them? Depending on what type of businesses you're talking about. Well, the 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 kids are working remotely. That doesn't mean so. So yes, yeah, some of them are going to stay out of state, but um, some of them are going to be in state. So that they're still going to be they're still going to be consumers. They're still going to be consumers. They're 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 uh, I, I understand what you're saying. Um, one of the things that I am well aware of is people are terrified of change. College campuses aren't going to want to shrink the size of the campus because 
that's going to be a change in their financing. And they don't know if, you know, if that's going to be a great change or a bad change. I get it. Yeah. Um, but, but with the way we are doing things now, I think we really should look at restructuring how we do things. Sure, um, sure. you know, um, um, if we would have put into place, uh, a, a strategy for distance functioning distance society. And I say distance society because I mean, work from home. I mean, uh, you know, learn from home, college, elementary, secondary, primary, whatever. Um, and whatever other things that we can. Um, so, so businesses right now are using, is using technology to eliminate jobs mm -hmm. rather than using technology to enhance jobs. Sure. Right. So if we had a strategy of using technology to enhance society, I think that that would be a better use of resources than to replace. So, so, uh, so one of my favorite jokes, man, this is not a favorite joke, but it's a joke that, that, you know, I heard a long time ago and I've kind of hung on to, hmm. um, so, uh, the re the, do you know why podunk doesn't have ice. Who doesn't? Podunk. 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 Okay. Podunk. You know, Podunk, Missouri. Podunk, mm -hmm. Washington. Podunk, Illinois. Whatever. It's just some fictitious town that doesn't have ice. Do they have refrigerators? The reason that Podunk <laughs> doesn't have ice. Is that the scientist with the formula die? Okay. <laughs> oh man. The formula so, for ice. The formula for ice die. Okay. <laughs> and I bring that up because the 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 jobs that go away because of technology. Mm -hmm. We will lose those skill sets over time. Mm -hmm. And so something as simple as ice making just it's just it's just meant as a you know an analogy. Right. But some of those simple skills will go away. They're already talking about eliminating handwriting. Okay. I want you to imagine the last time you had to write something. A signed a check. <laughs> exactly. It's your signature. That's pretty much what it comes I mean, down not, to. Mm -hmm, go ahead. They're not teaching cursive writing anymore. Exactly. You're right. So rather than, so what we've been doing with technology is we've been robbing ourselves of crucial skills rather than enhancing mm -hmm our existence 
Correct. Distance learning is a way for us, you know, is a way to enhance our lives if we use it properly as a strategy, as part of a strategy. Hmm. Right. That's if it's used, like you say, to enhance rather than eliminate. As you talked about with the businesses before, we're willing to use technology uh, to eliminate jobs, such as robotics in the car industry. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Great example. Mm-hmm. In some in some factories where they used to have four or five hundred people working, now they got about two two fifty because they've robotized, if I'm using the correct word, mm-hmm. so many of the jobs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's just a strategy, like you said, a strategy to use this to enhance our well-being instead of just a few people using it to enhance their pockets their wallets it's mm-hmm. just it, it it's to enhance the well-being of and right now we can use that to enhance the well-being of our of our child's education helping the teachers teach helping the teachers bring lessons because, like you say, the kids, like the kids here, meet on Google Classroom, mm-hmm. and they have Zoom meetings, mm-hmm. and it's the, still a teacher uh, with a lesson plan, giving assignments, doing some lectures, uh, uh, giving tests because my kids take tests, mm-hmm. and we're still using, and we're using a teacher. And, you know, by, by all means, a licensed educator <laughs> who's been trained how to do this mm-hmm. and, and, and continue up and continue up with this. But, you know, till we get the, the whole thing is till we get to the point that we can deal with this virus so it's not a pandemic, it's not a public health crisis. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's going to start with putting some people in charge that are going to actually do this, that are actually going to do what they have the power to do to take care of, first of all, not spreading the virus and then putting it out. Just like when we in the fire service industry, your first job is not to let the spot fire spread. Mm-hmm. So when you get there, you want to stop the spread of the fire. You don't want it to jump from building to building to building. Mm-hmm. Then once you stop it where it can't go nowhere, you go in and you put it out. And the first thing is containment. Right. The first, the first thing, thing is containment. That's a, once you contain it, then it's extinguished. Then it's the same. Like right. a sprinkler. People that got sprinkler systems mm-hmm. in these commercial buildings. Mm-hmm. Uh a commercial a sprinkler system is designed to contain contain then extinguish then extinguish because you know because on average it takes the fire department one to three minutes to get there so in one to three minutes you got all of this water running you're keeping it where it is mm-hmm. then the fire department come in and extinguish so right? here's here's you know, what and that's the way we got to work so here's here's what i'd like to see going forward um 
I'd like to see distance learning become a regular part of um, primary education, K through 12. I think, and I'd like to see, uh, hopefully we will capture some metrics um, from this, um, from this pandemic, capture some metrics about the effectiveness and uh, uh, best practices. You know how to how to more effectively implement um, distance learning in K through twelve uh, colleges. They've been doing this for a while. Um, it was at least 20 years ago when, uh, what was that? Uh, Arizona offered uh, online courses. University of Phoenix. University of Phoenix um, offered online courses. So they, they've got a lot of best practices uh, for, you know, college students. And I, hopefully we will capture mm -hmm. best practices for distance learning in K through 12 around the country um, so that we can continue to use that where it's effective. Not every child is going to be a candidate for distance learning, but let's make sure that we apply it to those children that are top candidates for that. And then uh, make sure that we're using best practices to implement that. I'd like to see that happen. So we're gonna wrap it up. Um, any last comments before we get out of here? Yeah, one quick comment. I agree with you, let's integrate it. When, when, you, when you were talking about strategies, I think uh, the problem with strategy is not necessarily strategy itself, but who's behind the strategy. For example, neighborhood development, uh, corporate structure and things like that uh, tend to the, the strategy comes down from corporate entities and big business. And the problem with that is that they basically design things for their own purpose and mainly for their own individual profit. And everybody else is kind of like a trickle down thing. You know, they, they really don't look, take the big picture and look at everybody is equal. So corporations want to make maximum profits for their shareholders and pretty much to heck with everybody else. And that's why things kind of fall apart because after they get what they can get out of it, everybody else is kind of suffering. So strategy, strategy needs to be more inclusive, you know, and needs to be uh, cohesive, you know, everybody needs to be involved. Yeah, the over. So what you're saying is that the overriding um, uh, reason for implementing it should be for for global benefit and not specific benefit. So it's not a company benefits, but that mm -hmm. society as a whole benefits. Yeah, yeah. That's All a right. Winning. That's that's a winning strategy. I want to thank you, gentlemen, for joining me today. We will be back tomorrow at two p.m. Central Time. We're going to have Derval uh, Bezany on, and she's uh, from Jamaica, and she's going to talk about 
climate, science, uh, sustainability, and the impact of um, the U.S. election in Jamaica. Okay. Sounds good. That concludes this episode of Altitude Adjustment. And thank you for listening. This podcast is streamed live on YouTube and Twitch.tv and is designed for listener interaction. Visit the website, thelionsdenstl.wixsite.com forward slash home to join the discussion. Of Altitude Adjustment is available where you get your podcasts, including Stitcher.com, the iTunes Store, and the Google Play Music Store, to name a few. Remember that the internet is powered by your likes, shares, and comments. So please like, share, and comment on this and other episodes of Altitude Adjustment because it matters. And as always, look out for the other guy because they may not be looking out for you. <laughs>